Hello, everyone. This is Greg Drebenstead, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine and your host for the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. Our guest today is Alonzo Bowden. Alonzo has been a comedian for more than 20 years. His stand-up special, Heavy Lightweight, is available on Amazon Prime Video. He's a regular panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and he's done stand-up at clubs and festivals around North America. He's been a guest on late-night talk shows and had roles on TV shows and in movies. And best of all, he's a motorcycle enthusiast. Alonzo, welcome to the show. How you doing, Greg? I uh, I do want to add one thing, or maybe sure. correct or whatever. I don't just perform in North America, all over the world. All over the world, and okay. Great. The reason I bring that up is because I was in Sydney, and um, I rented a bike and rode their equivalent of the, of the Pacific Coast Highway, which was fantastic. And then... I was doing a show called The Footy Show, which is kind of like their late night talk show. Sure. And a motorcycle dealer said, hey, if you mention me on the show, you can borrow any bike you want while you're here. So, of course, I mentioned them and, and uh, had a number of rides <laughs> through Sydney. Okay. So, yeah, international motorcycle rider and uh, comedian. <laughs> awesome. So which came first, motorcycles or comedy? Motorcycles. Yeah. Motorcycles. Uh I fell in love with bikes when I was seven years old. A guy who rented land from my grandmother in South Carolina had a bike. And, and looking back, I'm guessing it was a Triumph or a BSA because okay. it was the late 60s and I know it was British. But he took me for a ride. I fell in love with it and I still get that same feeling. It's been a lifelong passion. So, yeah, bikes came first. Right on, right on. Well, my wife, Carrie, and I are big fans. Um, you know, our mutual friend, Peter Jones, introduced us at Americade back in 2008, and you guys snuck us in the back door. Um, <laughs> that was a lot of, that show was a lot of fun. I love, I love Americade. You know, uh, Christian, who runs it, got in touch with me through the internet, and he said, I just want to try this. So I went down, I'm thinking back now, it was probably, what, 2013, I think, was the first time I did it. I'm not sure, but anyway... I got up there and I just started, it was so fun to be amongst our tribe, right? So I could improv the show. And I started joking about the, the brand loyalties and the differences between the brands and all. I, I didn't do, I don't think I did any of my comedy material. I think the whole show was just talking about motorcycles and it was so much fun and such a good fit. I've been doing it since. Well, yeah, when we saw you in 2018, I don't think there was anything that was scripted. It was just your interactions with the audience and I mean, you really can't fake the funk. You've got to know what the difference between a Harley rider is or a Goldwing rider and know where the where the soft points are and where the, where the jokes are. So that was great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun because, you know, everyone loves their bike, right? And everyone yeah. thinks their bike's the best. But then you, you run into things that are beyond funny. And I will never forget, and I'm giving a shout out to the Wild Hogs of Milwaukee, a small <laughs> group who showed up wild hogs from milwaukee not one of them had a harley and i was like you really don't understand how this works do you <laughs> i mean that's the kind of thing that happens yeah that is a gem and you can't write that you can't plan for that and since then i think two hogs have gotten indian so at least they're you know getting closer <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of that um I, i've seen on, on your instagram feed that you've been riding one of those indian challengers um, I know you probably get access to be able to borrow some bikes, you know, being an entertainer with a big following. So what are some of the cool bikes you've ridden? You know, I've ridden uh, a bunch of things. So the, the Challenger, 
very fast for a bagger. I had a Chieftain a few years back, which was a great bike. And even yeah. though I put the hot rod kit on it, it wasn't near as fast as a Challenger. The best way I describe the Challenger is it's more it it felt more like a motorcycle than a bagger. So so riders I think understand what I'm saying there. But that was a very cool bike. Um, I got the Ducati Multistrada. They loaned me one last year. I've had a multi before. It's a phenomenal bike. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's very Ducati, you know. Absolutely. So it's an adventure bike that handles like a sport bike. And um, I asked them about the V4, and they said, yeah, you're not the only one waiting. So uh, it'll be a while <laughs> before I do that. Then, you know, my personal bikes now, I'm riding BMWs and um, absolutely love them. I've had a GS since, let's see, my first GS was a 15, and I just got a new one last year, a 19. And then I, um, I had a K1600 GT back in 2015. That's a bike I rode cross-country okay. uh, to Americade, and just last year... I found this great deal on the um, K1600 America, the you know the bagger with oh, the, the Grand trunk. America with the trunk and everything. Grand yeah. America, yeah, and and I'm loving that bike, and uh, my girl loves it. She's like, this that's what that's what prompted me to get it. She liked riding, and and yeah. she's great, but now she rides in comfort with uh something to lean on and a heated seat and a whole bit. It's a, but it's a phenomenal bike. So yeah, and BMWs being a tall guy. You yeah. know, they're a little more comfortable for me. And um, I think my sport bike days are behind me, Greg. I, I understand. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Carrie and I rode, uh, we picked up a Grand, K1600 Grand America from BMW's headquarters in New Jersey. And then we rode it up to Americade in 2018 when we saw your show. Um, and that inline six is just a fantastic engine. It's so smooth and fast. And um, I had actually ridden the K1600B, which is the one without the trunk, uh, cross country uh, after that press launch in 2017. And uh, yeah, to have a bike that with that much power and all the sophistication, they've got a lot of cool features on it and stuff. It uh, was a very sweet machine. And I'm six feet tall, so I'm not as probably as tall as you, but you know, where you can stretch out a little bit and yeah, it makes a big difference. So yeah. Yeah, I um I had a great experience with the bagger when it first came out. So they invited me and a couple other guys to pick up the K1600 bagger. And this was these were three prototypes. It was right before it was launched. Uh, they wanted us to go to Kansas City to the um, National Biker Roundup, right? And then ride them from there to Sturgis for Sturgis. So because they wanted to see what the Harley world thought of the bagger. Right. So we go to the National Biker Roundup, and obviously, people at BMW had no idea what this was. I mean, it, these are the <laughs> brothers with bike, they road glides. I was like, I don't think there are any road glides left. I think you guys bought all of them. Completely chromed out, beautiful, high power stereos, whatever. So we ride in three of us on these BMW baggers, and they're looking at it, and the, the comments like, "That's pretty cool for a sport bike." That, that'd be a cool, fun second bike. And um, they did not see it. That crowd did not see it as a bagger. And one guy made a statement that I thought was so profound because, you know, the bagger has everything, right? It has reverse. It has sure. quick shifter. It has cruise control, you know, all the modern stuff built in. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, all that stuff's cool, but you can't see technology, you know? Right and, and then the other thing that was funny so it rained that night. We got there Friday. It rained. And this was at a campground. And obviously the campground turns to mud in the rain. We went back Saturday. Everyone was gone because they're not going to let their bikes get wet and dirty. And once again, right, BMW, right. 
doesn't understand that part of the bagger culture, which I love that stuff. You know, I'm not, I'm not one of them, but I love it that sure. their appreciation in their bikes. And then we rode to Sturgis and it was kind of the same thing where they saw that bike, but not as a bagger. They saw it as a sport bike. They saw it as a high tech bike or this or that. We told the guys at BMW, look, if you want to do this again, you're going to put some wheels on these things, a stereo and paint it so that they even recognize it. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Paint a V twin on the side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, like I said, that's the thing. Those, those motorcycles, I mean, it's based on the K1600 sport tour. I went to that press launch years ago and have been impressed with that engine ever since. It's just, you know, BMWs put inline sixes in their cars for many years and it is, it offers so much performance and smoothness. And when you really get cranking on that bike, the way it sounds is fantastic, but it's just a very different experience from V twin. I mean, you've ridden, uh, you know, Harleys and Indians and so forth. And uh, it's the the sound and feel is as important as the look. And so, uh, you know, different bikes will appeal to different people. And you can't necessarily, like you said, baggers aren't interchangeable. A BMW is not interchangeable with a road glide or with an Indian or something like that. They're going to appeal to different people. So. Yeah, I love all of them. You know, um, I've, I've had this talk with people because they'll ask me, like, how come there aren't TV shows on motorcycles? And one of the things is, you know, the, the regular world doesn't love bikes the way we do. And Absolutely. they don't understand, like, I say, we're a small tribe. We don't need to subdivide into tribes where you have the, the sport bike guys who, who don't like the touring guys who think the sport bike guys are squids and the, the bagger guys who don't like the, you know, I don't know, adventure bike or this, that. Yeah, like, like. We understand these categories, but to, and what a lot of people in motorcycles don't understand is to the world, eh, it's just a motorcycle. And the only two one, the only two brands that everyone recognizes, right, are Harley and Ducati. Those are the two that people know what those are. So, um, yeah, we, I, I ride everything and I love, you know, whatever you ride. I, uh, the debates as to what's better is, is always fun, but the fights are ridiculous. I, yeah, I agree. You know, since I work for a magazine, I've had the good fortune to ride pretty much every kind of motorcycle there is, except for pretty much dirt bikes and race bikes. And, um, you know, riding off road or riding long distances on the highway, or even I've been on racetracks, it's every experience is something different. You know, you get something else out of it. And um, if I had to only do one kind of riding or ride only one kind of motorcycle, um, I would probably find it a little bit limiting. It's like people that play guitar that have 10 guitars. And I was like, why do you have 10 guitars? Why can't you just have one? But apparently it's like, well, if you have to ask the question, you don't understand, you know? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, I will say if I had to have one motorcycle, the BMW GS does everything. You know, <laughs> I would actually have to agree with you. So Carrie and I have done tours in Europe. Uh, we did one in um, Ecuador, we've done them in a lot of different places and our bike of choice is always the GS. She's actually finds it really comfortable. Uh, she's really spoiled and has enjoyed riding on the back of gold wings. And, you know, you said that K 1600 grand America, but she finds the GS really comfortable. I find it really, um, easy to handle in any kinds of roads, you know, in the Alps or wherever. So if I'm riding it confidently, she feels comfortable on the back and, yeah, it pretty much is the, you know, the universal motorcycle that can do just about anything. You can go fast, you can go off road, you can tour. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic bike. So, yeah. And I love how it's created its own market because it was initially, it was one of those looks that only a mother could love, right? <laughs> like, like it was so ugly 
that it looked good. Sure. And then it literally built a whole genre now where everybody's got to make one. But no, I don't, you know, and, and I, the, the multi is, is fantastic just because it's fast and handles so well. Uh, a friend of mine and I, we have this debate all the time because he's big Ducati guy. And I've had my share of ducks, but I got to say the GS just has a presence about yeah. it that is uh, is unique. And, and I love that bike. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, I was, again, I was scrolling through your uh, Instagram feed a little bit, looking at some of the bike posts and um, looks like you got rid of a couple bikes recently. One of them was a, a Triumph Rocket 3. That thing's a beast. I had the Rocket 3. That was the first one. That was from 05. Wow. Um, so power cruisers I've always loved from back yeah. when I was a kid riding sport bikes uh, and I went to the Honda dealer who's a friend of mine. My, the guy's still a friend to this day. He had a Valkyrie and he, he said I was riding a CBR 900, right? And he's like, you got to ride this thing. And I'm like, what the hell is it? You know, because, you know, I'm, I'm maybe 30 years old or something like, I don't know how, but but it was like a, this big bike. I took that thing around the block. I, I Greg, I came back laughing. I was literally <laughs> laughing. And I was like, I got to have one of these. And a couple of years later, I bought the Valk. Uh, j- just absolutely loved it. And then made the mistake of selling it regretted it went back two days later they were like oh that thing's gone yeah so the rune came out and i bought the rune you owned a rune great bike but it was too much chrome great i can't polish you'd ride through a puddle it's like okay you got four hours of polishing ahead the rocket three came out and i was like wow this is the only bike to out valkyrie the valkyrie right it was bigger it had more torque and and everything else and I kept that bike for 15 years until this year when the new Rocket came out. Right, even bigger. I got the new Rocket and I said, oh, it'll be really cool to have both, right? To have the classic old one and a new one. I didn't ride that bike once from when I bought the new one. So I just said, you know, time to make some room in the garage and sure. sell it. And and <clears throat> everyone who knows me, all my friends, they know I don't keep things long. You know, if I keep something for two years, they're like, wow. And I had that rocket for 15 years because there was nothing else like it and nothing could replace it in my garage except another rocket. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that Triumph committed to building that bike in the first place and then that they've uh, kept it in their lineup because they're, it's again, it, they don't sell a lot of them, but there's a core following of people who really love it. And then they, you know, obviously invested a lot into the, the newer version of it. And yeah, there's nothing quite like a Rocket 3. And just like you were saying with the Valkyrie, I mean, the the Goldwing is is a bike that I, I absolutely love. You know, uh, people have often portray it as the old man's uh, bike or it's a couch on wheels or a Barker lounger on wheels. But in the right hands, especially the, you know, when they came out with the one in uh, the GL1800 in 2018 or excuse me, 2001, um, you know, one of the engineers was a guy who had designed the CBR. And so it's got a great chassis. And uh, you can embarrass some people on all kinds of motorcycles on a Goldwing in the right hands. I mean, you might be scraping the, the belly pan in a corner, but uh, it's, it's fast, it's smooth, it's comfortable, and you can have your wife and a teddy bear strapped to the to the trunk <laughs> and having a blast. So, yeah. I'm a big fan of the Goldwing. Goldwing's a, a fantastic bike. The new Valkyrie, so when they went to the, um, the latest 1800 and they came out with that newer Valkyrie, that one it missed it missed yeah it wasn't in the lineup for very long that tells you yeah something. it didn't have you know 
one of the things about the Valkyrie was this giant chrome engine just hanging there like that. That was the centerpiece of the bike, this giant chrome six cylinder engine. And with the new one, with it being covered and the radiators on the side and the plastic and this or that, it just didn't have the same, uh, didn't have the same impact. And, and I know all the Valkyrie people were like, no, just make the old one again. Like that was a bike that people were yeah. basically telling Honda, okay, don't change a thing. And they did, and I don't think the, I don't think the newer ones sold at all. But the gold wings are phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's funny how some bikes will stay in lineups for many years. Like I had a KLR six fifty, you know, and that stayed in Kawasaki's lineup for like thirty something years with hardly any changes. And then they finally had to drop it because it still had a carburetor and it wouldn't pass emissions. But um, you know, I mean, it was a, an affordable bike, and they kind of got the formula right the first time. And they're like, well, we'll just make a few tweaks and changes here and there. And then some bikes come out and it just doesn't find an audience or, you know, these companies have different priorities and they're in the lineup for a couple of years and then boom, it's gone, you know? So, um, yeah. So I was going to ask you about, um, about the cross country ride that you did to Americade. Uh, is that the first time that you've ridden cross country? Did you go by yourself? Yes. And yes, it was my first time across country. So that was a, it was a bucket list thing, right? Sure. I definitely wanted to do it. And it's one of the few experiences that exceeded my expectations. I, I was, it was actually, well, you've done it and you probably do it, yeah. have done it a few times. But for me, it was just incredible. And, you know, doing it by myself, it's, it's not like, you know, the old days. It's not like, like, wow, you went by yourself. It's like, yeah, well, I got a cell phone and a couple of credit cards. I think I'll survive. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, it, it was it was such a great ride, though, seeing certain things like it started. You know what I wanted to see? I wanted to see that U.S. 50, the loneliest road in America. Oh, across yeah. Across Nevada. Nevada. Yeah. And then I looked and I was kind of like, you know, I could just keep going on 50 all the way across the country. So I would jump between that and, and I-70, depending on where I was and where the weather was. But so many great experiences just and riding is is sort of meditative for me. So, so, you know, so it was just riding, you know, going through the Midwest, seeing Greg, I don't know if you're aware of how much corn we have. <laughs> Greg, we have a lot of corn and we you, do. you measure corn in time, not in distance. You're just in my, my second day of corn and, and there's nothing but corn in front of me. <laughs> and then you hit Ohio and you're like, Oh my God, a tree. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, riding across the Great Plains is different. It's interesting. I've actually only ridden, I've driven across country a few times because I've moved around. But my first and only cross country motorcycle trip, and I guess it's a scheduling thing, I don't know, was at riding home from uh, Asheville, North Carolina, when they when BMW introduced the K1600 bagger. I rode it home cross country and I had never been to Kansas before and I rode 500 miles across Kansas. And you're absolutely right. It was corn and silos and it was, uh, I was happy to get to the Rockies, but you know, <laughs> I did the same thing. I was solo. Like when you can ride at your own pace, you can stop at your own pace. Um, you can just, you know, let your mind wander at your own pace. Cause even if you have another rider, you're always kind of thinking like, Oh, well, what are we going to do next? Where are we going to eat? You're thinking in relation to that other rider. And when you're by yourself, you can just ride as long as you want or, or stop whenever you want. And I agree with the meditative aspect of riding because it's really one of those things that obviously motorcyclists have been doing it forever. But, you know, you can't look at your well, you shouldn't look at your cell phone while you're riding, you know, and you can't check your email and do all those things. And 
it's a great break from all of that. And it, it gives you an excuse to just be off in your head and your thoughts and, you know, looking at the scenery and yeah, so it's, 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 you know, nothing like it. I've had a couple of companies that they've offered me to Bluetooth for in my helmet, um, a heads up display for my face shield and, and the technology is great, but, but especially with the Bluetooth, I was like, the last thing I want to do is talk to anyone on the phone when I'm riding. <laughs> I um now when I had the Indian I had the Chieftain Elite I think and it had this crazy powerful stereo I think it was like 600 watt speakers in the fairing speakers in the bags and I was that annoying guy at the light the music was just pumping you know and and right, right. that would but that was really cool and it was great for that bike but like on my BMW let's be honest the stereo they come with isn't anything great but, you know, I know people who put speakers in their helmets and this and that. I don't really want to hear music or anything else. I just like the ride, the road, the, just experiencing it all around me. So, um, yeah, that's one area of technology that I have stayed away from, the sound systems. And the other thing, you know, about doing it now, I mean, like, I'm not Bessie Stringfield. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. This black woman riding across country on a Harley in the 30s. My hero, this woman is amazing, you know, so, so my adventures weren't that difficult. I was on a late model BMW, as I say, with a credit card in my pocket. Right, but, um, right. But it was still just, just a fantastic experience, you know, and the people who tour and go through every small town and this and that, I get that too. I, uh, I wish I had the time. I didn't have the time to do that, but I still, I think anyone who does it, you have your own experience, right? And you get to see what you want to see. Um, I want to do an iron butt. I've come close. The, the, ah. I've done, the most I've done so far is an 800-mile day. And had I planned it and mapped it out and contacted them, I'm sure I could have done a 1,000. But, uh, but that's something on my bucket list. That's probably the next bucket list thing I want to do. Sure. Yeah, that's a big commitment. I've only done one of those myself. I uh had ridden on the Oregon backcountry discovery route. This is off-road route through Oregon with a couple of buddies uh, a number of years ago. And we ended up in Walla Walla, Washington. And I live in Ventura, California, and there's no shortcut between the two. Like it's a thousand plus miles, no matter what route you take. And uh, I had the weekend to get home. I had to be at work on Monday. And I was like, well, if I just do it all in one day on Saturday, I can take Sunday and recover. And I just got up super early and I had filled out my paperwork. I, I actually thought I might do it. So I filled out my paperwork and got my receipts and all that. And um, yeah, put the hammer down. And most of that trip was on I-5. It was pretty boring. Um, but uh, again, I was also, I was on a BMW test bike, had a big tank. I was able to cover a lot of miles and uh, I was completely shattered by the end of it. But, and I probably wouldn't want to make a habit of it. There are some iron butt riders that do that stuff day after day, whether it's the rally or they just do it, that's their pastime and that's that's great, but it's it's uh, it's very demanding, you know, it's, it's a lot. And then, like I said, if you wanna stop and see, you know, uh, a historic site or points of interest, uh, that's not really in the cards for long, you know, that iron butt riding, so. No, no, not for that schedule. And the ones who do that, I guess the full rally is what, 11,000 miles in 10 days? Yeah. Amazing. You yeah. Know? But again, like you said, everyone has their own thing, right? So that that's really cool. I mean, I've hung out with Ricky Gadsden, who, uh, you know, his world is seven seconds at a time. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but but watching him drag race a bike was art. It was it was 
comical how good he was. You know, we were talking just like you and me are talking. Right. And we're over by his motorhome. And he said, hey, grab my helmet. And I grab his helmet and they roll the bike over. And he's like, okay. And <clears throat> I just watched him stage the bike, you know, s smoke his back tire, get on the line, drop a seven something quarter mile, take number one in qualifying, right. take his helmet off. And we continued his conversation like it had never happened. I was like, are you insane? Are you really? And I was like, how demoralizing is that to the other guys that he's that good that he's like, ah, be with you in 10 seconds and boom. So what were we talking about? You know, it, right. so, and again, so that that's the other extreme. But but yeah, riding the whole experience is like that, man, whatever, whatever you find that you love, the passion is equal. Right. So that's that's really cool. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I know this whole pandemic thing's been a little bit weird, you know, for the magazine, we don't travel as much. A lot of events have gotten canceled. It's been a little bit weird getting access to test bikes. Uh, I imagine as a comedian, you're not traveling as much. I mean, so uh, what have you been doing to adapt? I mean, are you riding more? Are you riding less than you used to or what? You know, it's been good and bad. Obviously, um, yeah, a lot of clubs are closed. Travel isn't happening. I'm not working as much. Um, fortunately, I'm okay, healthy and the rent is paid, you know, because I know that's not true for a lot of people. Sure. So initially, when the world shut down, motorcycles were the ultimate social distancing vehicle, right? You're by yourself, you're wearing a helmet, you're wearing gloves, you're, you know, this is last year, April and May. The roads in LA and the LA area were empty. And the biggest danger was people losing their minds in their cars, right? So some guy has a 1995 Camry, but he feels, well, I can do a hundred miles an hour now. And it's like, <laughs> no, you can't, you don't have brakes on that stupid thing. And so you had to watch out for that. But, but it was, it was fantastic riding because the world would like, there was nobody out. Um, yeah, but there were a lot of know, those as things have picked up. There's more and more out there. Um, I did one trip. I went to Tulsa. Uh, I was supposed to go across country to a BMW rally in North Carolina. And because things weren't, work wasn't happening, I had the time. I said, I'm going to ride across the country. A friend of mine in Oklahoma, she has a son. He's seven years old. And I said, yeah, it's time for him to ride a motorcycle. You know, it's time for him to go for a ride because that was the age I was. So I said, I'm riding across country. I'll stop in. And then the rally got canceled, obviously. And I said to her, you know what? I'll just come to Tulsa and take him for a ride. And I did. I went there. We rode around on Sunday. She said, okay, you've created another one. He hasn't taken his helmet off for three days, you know? So awesome. It, so awesome. it worked. So I've got to do a little bit of riding like that, but mostly it, it's, I'm a commuting rider. I love commuting and it makes everything easier. And then I do do my day trips and day rides, you know, around Southern California. Sure. Well, I, I live just up the road from you in, in Ventura and, you know, whenever I've got to go to events, you know, we're pretty fortunate here in California is that we can filter through traffic or lane split or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that is, you know, common practice in Europe and people think when you go to other states or whatever, they think it's weird, but it actually, you know, that's really the only way you can get through LA traffic without losing your mind is being on a motorcycle. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you always feel like you're, you're cheating a little bit, you know, you go back, go past Porsches or Lamborghinis or work trucks and you're able to scoot through and uh, it's it's pretty nice. So so what are some of your favorite areas do you go ride? I know you go up to the Rock Store and place like that, the Santa Monica Mountains and Malibu that, you know, LA is famous for. 
where else do you like to ride? Yeah, the, you know, the Santa Monica Mountains and all the canyon roads, I, it, it's like my backyard. I tell people I'm so spoiled that that riding is 15, 20 minutes from my house and some of the greatest roads in the world. Or you go on the other side and ride up the crest and, and all of that. But you know where I really love riding? I love the desert. I love when I can get out to Nevada. I've been through Utah. I haven't done the Grand Canyon, which is inexcusable. And I haven't done Death Valley, both in my backyard and I should have done. But you know how it is. You're, I'm going to do it. And then you just don't. So I want to do that. But the desert, I grew up in New York, in Queens, in New York City. And when I first saw the desert, it blew my mind as, wow, this has been the same for millions of years. Like there is so much nothing out here. And I love it, especially, you know, as crazy as it sounds in summertime, you know, it's 110, 112 during the day, but you hit that evening ride and it's 80 degrees, the sun's out, you smell this sage of the desert and it just feels like you can go on forever. Uh, that is just such a beautiful ride. You know, I've done that outside of Phoenix and, and past Palm Springs. And like I say, going to, you know, going into Nevada, um, Arizona is probably my favorite for that kind of ride. But yeah, I love the desert. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I'm not from California either. I moved here from back East. I live mostly in the South. And uh, the first few times that I rode through the desert, certain parts of it, the Mojave, uh, the Grand Canyon, um, you know, Death Valley, it's just you know, it's, it's wide open, you know, it, it's got a different feel and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's rocks and it's cactus, it's whatever. And especially in the springtime, it doesn't get a lot of rain, but if it does, there's wildflowers everywhere. So it's wide open. I mean, it's, it's one of the really th fortunate things about living in the Southwest is having not only mountains, but desert, and there's just a wide variety of roads. Uh, and then, and some, even though California is one of the most popular states in the country, there are huge sections of the state where there's nobody you know you go to up along the eastern sierra or something like that you go into the northern part of the state and there's hardly anybody there's a lot more deer than there are people so <laughs> yeah even even closer you know i tell people one of the things about the canyons is you're you're half hour 45 minutes from la and you don't know that la exists there's and that is a a great feeling you know uh two years ago is it two? Yeah, I think it's about two years ago. I rode the tail of the dragon. I finally did it. I was doing doing a rally, uh, something in, in West Virginia. So I looked at it and I was said, oh, I can fly to Knoxville, rent a bike. do the... And I rode the tail of the dragon and it was cool. But I have to say it was kind of anticlimactic. And I told sure. people, I said, it's great, but you have to understand, like I live in Southern California, like I'm surrounded by phenomenal roads and I, I get it. If say you're in the Northeast, you've never been on a road like that. It's amazing. But when you, you know, when, when Mulholland Drive and Latigo Canyon are in your backyard, it kind of takes away from that. Although the Southeast, the green of the Southeast is just so beautiful to ride through. Uh, and, and again, all of these, it's all experiences, right? I mean, right. I did Lower Wacker Drive around Chicago with a Chicago rider who showed me like, yeah, this is where we rip. And it was like, wow. You know, and I, I did the same thing in Seattle with a group of guys. They call themselves the Cretans, and they ride these cafe bikes from like the 70s, like 70s 
Japanese cafe bikes. And they're, they're insane, by the way, if you ever encounter them. <laughs> okay. These guys are insane how they ride these bikes. I don't know if you remember bikes from the 70s, but they didn't have things like brakes. Like right. The, you know. <laughs> right. Everything was made of wood, felt like. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. It's, I, it's I started these... riding in when I lived in Philadelphia, and it was my way to actually escape from the city. But unlike L.A., it, in, it, it's similar in New York. You, you have to ride a ways to get out of the city. There's so much outlying suburbs. But, you know, I would go ride in the Amish country, the, you know, the farms of Lancaster County or something to get out of the city. Um, but I've ridden through New York City and uh, other major cities. And it's, a, it's its own experience. You were talking about the pandemic. I did a photo shoot in Los Angeles in downtown L.A. right before Christmas. And because of the shutdown, most of the museums were closed. So Grand Avenue was completely, there was hardly anybody on the sidewalk. There were hardly any vehicles on the streets. And we did this photo shoot. Normally you'd have to be dodging buses and people and so forth, but uh, we had it basically to ourselves. It was a really interesting experience that'll probably never repeat because it was just, you know, that's just not what cities are normally like, so. Yeah, those kind of rides are, you know, some of these pandemic rides have been great and it's almost like the, the cities have an apocalyptic look about them, right? When sure. you go out, because there's no one on the streets. And that is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Alonzo, it's been great chatting with you. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? You got any shows coming up or anything else? Well, uh, you know, the rallies are supposed to happen. Americade hopefully will happen in September. Absolutely. Um, the BMW rally and in, in, uh, the MOA rally in North Carolina is supposed to be in September. I mean, we're all waiting for the world to open sure. and to see see what's what and what we're going to do. So I'll I'll be out there as best I can. Um, it is still, you know, I, like I said, I fell in love with it at seven years old. I still love it today. I mean, I, I have a Grom because when I was <laughs> a kid, my dad wouldn't let me get a mini bike and the Grom came out and Honda invited me to ride it. And I was like, I'm getting one of these. So now... I even have a mini bike. So when people ask me how many bikes I have, it's three and a half. I have three and a <laughs> three half. And a half. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Right on. Well, uh, before we sign off, tell some of our listeners how to find you. Where should they look uh, for I'll, you? You can find everything I do at alonzoboden.com. A-L-O-N-Z-O-B-O-D-D-E-N.com. Or my Instagram is so funny. Uh, the reason Instagram is different is somebody took my name on Instagram and they thought I was going to buy it from them. And I was like, no, nah, I'll just do something different. But <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, we, they, we were going to go as I love MotoGP. Unfortunately, Austin's been canceled. So I guess like everything else in the world, right, we're waiting for what happens. But uh, we'll still be riding. Stay safe out there. Have fun. And uh, let's all remember we're all riding no matter what kind of bike it is. Again, we, we fight amongst ourselves. Let's stop it. That's great. I agree. Well, hey, since I'm just up the road, maybe we can get together for a ride sometime. Uh, we'll include your uh, information, your your website and the show notes and stuff. But really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. All right. For the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast, I'm Greg Drevenstead. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down. <laughs>